0: The following is a presentation of the Connection Church, a place where people are being set free. If you'd like to know more information about our community, you can join us online at ConnectionChurchNC.com. We are in, uh, in this series entitled Explicit. Uh, explicit. Now, um, what do you think of when you hear the word explicit? <laughs> yes. Snoop. D O double G, uh, Snoop Dogg. That's good. Um, yes, the the word that actually is is perfect. Um, it makes me. Uh, I used to think of of something bad, right? When you hear the word explicit, you you think of you know sexually explicit. You think of explicit lyrics. Um, when uh, when, like, a new band, back when I was in high school and stuff, a new band would come out, and I'm like, yes, I'm so excited for this CD. And then I'd see on the cover that it has, like, that explicit lyric, that kind of symbol that looks something like that. And then I'm like, crap, how am I going to get this by my parents? You know what I mean? And I'd, like, color it out or, or you know, like, like sneak it in or something. But uh, but that's what I think of is, is explicit, is, is something that, that's bad. Now, um, the message of the gospel, okay, the good news – of Jesus Christ is explicit. Now, now maybe um, you haven't heard the word gospel and explicit in the same sentence. They're they're typically not used together, but the Bible is filled with tons of adult content. Now, if you're married, I would encourage you to read Song of Solomon. All right. Now, that junk is full, all right, of adult adult content. Bow, chicka, wow, wow. Um, But, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff in Scripture, like people killing each other and and, and all kinds of, of quote, unquote, like X-rated things. The Bible is explicit, and and the gospel message is explicit. Now, uh, quick question. Do you want to see God show up? in a tangible way in your life like like do you want him to be real to to physically show up in your life in fresh ways on a regular basis not just some ethereal out there concept like this this god is a creator and he's he's out there and he's almost untouchable But do you, as a follower of Jesus, want God to be real on a daily basis? Do you want to interact with Him on a regular basis? If that's the case, then we must have an explicit understanding of the gospel. We must have an explicit understanding of the good news of Jesus. Now, explicit. The word actually comes from uh, a Latin word, which means to unfold. It means to, to clearly define something, to make something very visible and very clear. Okay, now, now we have taken that word explicit and we've tainted it, we've turned it to basically, just like I said, when we say the word, we automatically think of something bad. But at its very definition, the word explicit just means to make something clearly visible, to unfold it and easily define it so that it is understandable. So literally, the word explicit doesn't solely mean that it's racy content or anything like that. It means that it is easily visibly defined so that we can understand it. It's something that we can see clearly. You see that's what our intent is as a as a family that follows Jesus that's what our message is that's why we stand up here and sing and speak and and get together and talk about Jesus we are we want the message of the gospel to be clear that's what God's message is from beginning to end it is a message of clarity from the very beginning God is in, is continually in the process of making his message clearly seen and clearly known. So, with that in mind, all right, that's what his intent is. I, I want to share with you an extremely explicit story found in the New Testament. All right, let's pray together real quick. Jesus, thank you um, for your word, thank you for the power that you give us, Father. Um, when, when we submit to your Holy Spirit, and I pray that in the, in these coming moments, Lord, that we would just have our hearts and our minds open to you, Father, that we would be able to clearly see what you have for us as we look into your word, God. We love you in your name. Amen. All right, so Luke chapter 3. Um, if you have your Bible in the New Testament, it's uh, in one of the Gospels, the book of Luke. Now, uh, it's in chapter 3. We're going to be jumping in at, at um, verse 2, and and so... Uh, just to jump in, to understand an explicit gospel, to be able to tangibly touch, feel, see God, to be able to interact with him, it starts like this. It says, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into the region, into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. All right, so... Just a quick back history on John. He was known as John the Baptist. He's related to Jesus. Uh, Jesus' mom and John's mom are uh, connected. They're related. It says in the scriptures they're kinswomen, so somehow they're related. Um, but, but John's purpose on earth was to be a forerunner for the ministry of Jesus. He was to basically prepare the way, which we're going to see here in a minute. His mission was to help people see clearly what Jesus's message was going to be. He was sent to proclaim that something new and different was getting ready to happen concerning community with God. All right, he was he was here to to talk about a change that was coming. Now this dude was crazy, okay? It says in scripture that he wore uh, a camel hair outfit. All right, he had a Louis Vuitton camel hair satchel, man satchel. I'm just kidding, probably not. Um uh but but he was just he was nuts, had crazy hair, big old beard, says he ate bugs, and he ate honey, and uh and he lived out in the desert and, and he spoke to people in mysterious ways that, that people didn't understand, and I mean he was just all over the place. He's kind of like uh the bear grills of his time, all right? He's a mountain man. Um and uh and so so it says that he's out here and he's proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, this was a radical thought process because Jews did not get baptized, Right? Baptism is a Christian thing for followers of Jesus, and that was only for, in the Jewish religion, that's only for someone called a proselyte. A proselyte is somebody who wants to convert into the Jewish faith, all right? So if you were born into the Jewish faith, you didn't have to be baptized. So for John to say, you need to be baptized for this new thing that's coming, that was revolutionary, it was different, but it says that they need to be baptized into what baptized repentance, a baptism of repentance now what is repentance once again when when we think of that word, we think to be sorry right to to say you're sorry for something or to have to have regret maybe for something that you've done but but watch this, okay repentance means. To think differently after being with someone. To think differently after an experience. To literally change your mind, your heart, your action. That's what repentance means. It doesn't just mean saying sorry for something. It means to think and feel and believe and act differently as a result of being with. This verse goes on to say that that the baptism of repentance is for the forgiveness of sins. Okay, so forgiveness is the goal. All right. Forgiveness of sins, because we all know that we that we're messed up, that we that we misstep, that we sin, that we mess up sometimes. So so forgiveness is the goal. Repentance is the motivation. That's what is driving it. And baptism is the physical, tangible sign that something was changing that someone was repentant and they wanted to be forgiven All right so so here's the deal if if I'm wanting to prepare myself for God to show up in a tangible real way in my life then repentance has to be necessary it is a huge deal repentance is a part of the process in order for us to see God show up in our lives. Now, the word repentance is such a churchy term. Um, literally, I don't use that word in normal life at all. Um, I say I'm sorry, right, if I, if I mess up, but, but I don't ever come to my wife or, or anybody else that I mess up with and say, let me repent for I have sinned. Um, I, I don't do that, right? Um, but once again, it's not just saying you're Sorry. Repentance is thinking differently because you've been with God. It's a continual process. It's not just a one and done and and then that's it. But, but, But repentance is learning to be with God on a regular basis so that he changes your heart and your mind and your actions. It's learning to see the world differently than you used to because you have been with God. Is that you today? Do you see the world in a different light? Do you see people differently? Because your heart and your mind has been changed from who you were. Maybe you're not who you used to be. You're not who you want to be. But you're not who you used to be. That's what it means to be repentant. To be intimately connected to God to let him speak to you so that you literally change your thoughts, your actions, your mind, and your heart. He goes on to say uh, in verse 4, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled. Every mountain and hill shall be made low, the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all shall see the salvation of God. So now Luke included this Old Testament prophecy that comes from Isaiah to basically connect that the Old Testament promised that something was getting ready to happen. Okay, and John the Baptist was the beginning of the fulfillment of these prophecies that were foretold hundreds of years prior to that. That's why it's in this book. But here's the thing. It's not just some dusty old prophecy. It's not just something that we need to read by. This is actually a promise for us here today. Because you see, the way to Jesus has been cleared for us The way to get to God has been already prepared because of what Jesus has done. What was foretold in the Old Testament, what was fulfilled in John's gospel, and his message, and what Jesus did, he's made the way clear for us. Look at this. I I love this. It says every valley will be filled. Every chasm that separates us from. From God because of our sin will be filled, every valley will be filled to make the path straight because of what Jesus has done. Every mountain shall be made low. That 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 means that, that those proud people who think that their religious activity somehow makes them something in God's eyes, they'll be humbled because none of us are worthy to get to God except Jesus and what he has done for us. So the valleys are filled in, the mountains are made low, they're humbled. It goes on it says, the crooked shall become straight. The corrupt and the bent, the sin that so easily entangles us that our nature is bent toward, guess what, Jesus is has righted the path. He's made it straight. And then it says, the rough places shall become level. Man, life is filled with ups and downs. Life is filled with rough places, with hardships that we have to walk through on a regular basis, emotionally and physically. But because of what Jesus has done, we can still find joy and contentment. In this life, he has made the path straight us regardless of our circumstance and get this it says all this was done verse 6 so that every person on earth would have the ability to experience the living God of creation so that all flesh will be able to see God huh. and this has nothing to do with anything that we've done but it's all because, as verse 2 tells us, the Word of God came. Just like the Word of God came to John, and he was propelled to tell this message, the Word of God came in physical flesh form and lived among us, lived a sinless life and died for us. The Word of God came so that we can breathe the breath that we're breathing now, so that we might have the ability to meet Jesus and to live for him, and that is exciting. That's good news, right? That's the gospel. That's good news, and and so what does John do as he's proclaiming this message, as he's he's talking about the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy? What does he do? It says in verse 7, he said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Man, how about that for a greeting? People are intrigued by John, right? He's different. He's living life a different way than, than, no, than other people. He's, he's unique. He's intriguing. And, and so everybody wants to come out and see him and hear his message and, and even maybe be baptized by him. And so they come out and it'd be like today, hey, man, welcome to Connection. Thank you all for coming. By the way, you're terrible. And I hate you. And I hope you never come back. I mean, that's that's John's gospel right there. That's just what he said. Man, you brood of vipers. You guys are coming out here to be baptized. He's insulting them. But he's not just hurting their feelings. John isn't just insulting them, he's challenging their motives. He's pushing them to review why they are coming out in the first place. He's literally saying. Your intentions for wanting to be baptized are poisonous, like a snake. You see, John saw that the people of that day were just coming looking for another spiritual feather to put in their cap. They were looking for, for another badge to wear, for, for, for another, the next big thing, the next big church service, the next big name to rise to power. They wanted, man, John was going to be doing great things. They wanted to be associated with John. I was baptized by John, guys. Guess what? Check it out. That's right. Next in line, I was baptized by John. He's the next coolest thing. John saw right through that, and he challenged the people to look at your motive. Why do you serve God? Why are you coming out here? Why are you wanting to be baptized? Is it for repentance? Or is it because it's the next big thing that you're looking for? Maybe your life's falling apart and you think this is going to fix it. See, this new gospel that Jesus is bringing, it has nothing to do with religious behavior. It has nothing to do with the actual act of stepping in water and getting wet and being immersed and being baptized. John's trying to say, you need to understand what it means to be baptized in your heart. That your motive and your heart becomes changed because you've repented, because you've been with Jesus in your thoughts, your actions are becoming different, not just some religious behavior. John challenges the people in verse 8. He goes on and says, Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. See, John's message was, was shockingly radical because He was proposing that the Jews weren't going to get to heaven just because they were Jews. Their ancestry, the fact that they were born into the Jewish family, was not enough to get them into God's community, which, of course, is the same for us. Pedigree doesn't matter. Your title doesn't matter. Where you come from doesn't matter. We are all the same. In God's eyes. And so, what John is saying is that we have to have the right motivation for coming to God in order to get what He is trying to give us. We have to have a correct understanding of what repentance is. It's not merely saying, I'm sorry for the sin that I've done, and you just keep walking down the path that you're walking down. It's walking down a path and and saying, God, I'm sorry. And then realizing that you need to change. That because you have been with Jesus, something is different about your heart and your mind that leads to a change in your actions. See, when we have right motivation and we have a correct understanding of what repentance is, it leads to fruit. See, repentance isn't confined to some religious act like baptism. It enters your family, your friends, and your workspace by the harvest of giving God your best, which is an evidence that God is doing something in you. See, that's what bear fruit means. It means that the aroma, the smell that you give off, is an indicator of what's going on inside. You ever smelled rotten fruit, right? Does it make you want to eat what's inside it? No. Um, last uh, last or over Christmas break, um, the staff took a week off from our offices, and so um, I don't know who it is, and nobody has claimed it yet, but uh, but someone left some food in our fridge in the office for the entire week and something that we were on Christmas break. And so on the outside, the fridge looked fine, right? But as soon as somebody walked in that morning and opened the fridge to get a drink out, this aroma, all right, started penetrating my nostrils and burning my lungs, and it smelled like a burnt diaper uh, mixed with fecal matter, mixed with someone's dead body, burnt again. It was awful. All right, <laughs> made me want to throw up. Um, the aroma that gave off was offensive. And, and and when John says that that we're to bear fruit. He's saying, what are you giving off? What is your heart and your mind doing that comes out in your hands and your feet? The actions we produce are produced because of what is going on inside us. When people look at your life, when people watch the way you live, do they see tangible evidences that God's present? Can they see a difference in who you are? That's what repentance calls us to. Listen, it's not so that you get a badge and so, man, somebody goes, wow, super Christian. Good job, man. No. Repentance calls us to humble ourselves so that other people see God in our lives. Motivation is so important. So in verse 10, it goes on. After John calls them a brood of vipers and insults them, they're cut to the heart. The people want to know what to do. So it says in verse 10, the crowds ask him, what should we do? So here's the clincher. In verse 11, it says, he answered them, whoever has two shirts is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. Man, John could have said a million different things. He could have said all kinds of stuff. But he chose if you have two shirts, give one away. And if you have extra food, give that. See, John flipped the script. He doesn't just give them some religious formula, he doesn't say, Go and pray and and read your Bible, right, for for a couple days, and maybe if you can get on a two- or three-day sinless streak, then then you're truly repentant, right? If you can just maybe sin a little bit less and and read your Bible a little bit more, then then God's definitely going to be pleased with you, all right? That's that's it. That's what repentance is all about. No. He says if you want to truly understand what is getting ready to take place, there is a change coming. And if you want to understand that change, then you need to become a servant to those who have great need. I'm not saying praying and reading your Bible is not important. What I am saying is what are you doing with the prayer and the reading the Bible? Is it coming out in your life? Is the aroma you give off evidence that God is doing something in you or is it just a check mark off your to do list John says we're to clothe the naked and feed the hungry and when we do those things you will begin to see the very heart See, Romans 2 tells us that it's God's kindness. It's His love and it's His mercy that leads us to repentance. You want to help everybody see God in your life? Clothe the naked. Feed the hungry. It's our love and our grace and the mercy that God gives us literally changing who we are. I am not capable of being merciful and loving and gracious without Jesus Christ interacting in my life. Without Him, I just walk my own way doing my own thing and then all of a sudden, repentance means to experience something you've never experienced before. It's the love of Jesus Christ. It's His kindness. It's His grace that leads us there. And it begins by lowering ourselves. And the fruit of submission to God is a genuine heart for those who are lost in a drive to do something about it. You want to know what an explicit gospel is? clear explicit gospel is this you'll never truly experience God until you meet him on the street and what I mean by that is that we're called to humble ourselves to the point that our neighbor is greater than Than ourselves. God has called us into this world to be a physical, tangible reality to people who don't know Him. That's why we are still here. And when we begin to do that, we start to see God's heart. We start to see Him tangibly. We start to feel Him and touch Him. I've never seen the face of God more real than when I've sat in the living room of someone in downtown High Point whose husband had cancer and died. And I don't know this lady from Adam. But literally... I heard that that, that that her husband had just died. And, and I, I go downtown and knock on her door. She did not even know who I am. And it, and I'm just some white kid in the middle of, of the downtown area. And uh, and I'm like, I, I heard you just had a loss in your family. And she said, yes. Yeah. Can I come in hang out with you? There was a ton of people in there. there was some kind of visitation, I guess. You want to see the face of God? Reach out to the hurting. Feed the hungry. Clothe those who don't have. You want to see God tangibly? You want to touch Him? You want to feel Him? Guess what? He's right across the street. He's your neighbor. He's your co-worker. He's your friends and He's your family. You want to tap into the very heart of God? That's what repentance is. It's a change in your thought process to quit thinking about yourself and to start thinking of others. That's what an explicit gospel is about. And friends, when we truly understand what repentance means, then God begins to show up everywhere because it drives us to those who need him most when we understand repentance it changed the way it changes the way we live and it puts us in direct contact with those who need him that's what John was proclaiming out in the wilderness something is coming that is different. And that's what we have an opportunity to embrace today. An explicit gospel that doesn't just sit in these seats and sing songs and reads passages and goes home and sits at our house and says, good job. And then we wait until next week. An explicit gospel drives us to the streets. It drives us to the places where people need Jesus. It drives us to take a message of hope to the hopeless. That's what explicit is. To clearly show people the way to Jesus. Not by our religiosity. But by a true heart that loves and cares for the broken and the needy. Because guess what? Every single one of us is the broken and the needy. We all need Him. And therefore we all need each other to be the tangible expression of God today. And what are we waiting for? Jesus said the harvest is ripe. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes. Oh, man. Man, maybe this is the first time that you've heard of an explicit gospel. Maybe this is the first time that you've heard that Jesus actually loves you and cares about you and there is a God that is real and that he wants to interact with you today? If that's you this morning, if you want to say yes, I've messed up and I want to give Jesus everything. And if that's you today, you just raise your hand so we can pray for you? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. Praise Jesus. Maybe you've come into this place today with a heavy heart. Maybe you're carrying some kind of burden. Maybe you're you're carrying something you just need to let go of. That's what repent is. is literally just to take everything you have and just give it to Jesus. To say, God, I I just need you to take it from me. This burden is too much, God. Take it. And if that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand? We want to be able to pray, yes. Amen. I mean, you can give him that today. That's what a heart of repentance is about. Thank you. Thank you. And if you would, everybody in this room, just just pray this silently in your heart. God, I need you. I need you more today than I did yesterday. And I'm going to need you more tomorrow than I need you today. Father, I want to serve you with all that I have. I want to give you my burden and my stress. I give you my family. I give you my life. Jesus, I love you. Father, thank you so much that you have given us the ability to experience a clear, unadulterated gospel. Love you, Jesus. In your name.